you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. It's uh, good to see you on the campus today and online, wherever in the world uh, that you might be. I'm glad that we're together in this space. If you got your Bible, I want you to join me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, or turn on your digital device. Uh, That's where we're going to be in our Bible study this morning. Now, as you're finding your way, I've got a question for you. What do you want to be known for? So think about it for a second. When people get together and perhaps talk or think about you, what do you want to be known for? If you own a company, if you're a manager or a leader in your business, What do you want your business to be known for? You know, we live in a world where it seems like, sounds like, we're always declaring what we are against. The world's just divided, it's polarized. When I coach Uh, different politicians and they're stepping into that arena to run for an office. They want to serve in our community. I I always encourage them, let people know what you're for. It's counterintuitive because normally, right, when it comes time to that type of season, they often declare what they're against. This, they're, 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 you know, the opposition and what, the question this morning is, What do you want people to believe that you're for? Let let me ask another, another question. What do you think the church is for? It seems like that most of our friends and family who aren't in a setting like this or joining online, people who right now aren't as interested in God. It's not that they don't believe about God, but they're just not as interested. It seems like the church, the big C church, the church on the corner of Main Street and Elm, the the church, it seems like we're known more for what we are against rather than what we are for. And it seems like a lot of times when I talk to men and women who aren't believers and followers of Jesus, they often say, you know, I don't really believe that the church is for me. And my hope, my hope in our time together starting today and going forward over the next several weeks is we flip the script. And we start living intentionally as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community of declaring and living who we are for. 
walking out in the world and living in such a way that rather than having this long list of rules and regulations or how this person behaves or that person acts and always speaking about what we're against, the aroma of our language begins to declare who we are for. You know, those of us who are followers and believers of Jesus, you realize he came to this earth, he walked and talked, he lived and he breathed. In three weeks, we will celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. The hope that we have is in Christ. But Jesus, he embodied this idea of being for people. So much so, they crucified him. The religious crowd. He's for people. He didn't come and argue and debate. He came and he wanted people to know that there is a better way. There's a better way to live. In the, the book of the Acts, interesting book, Acts is like a history book of the first church. It's not much different than 2022. In Acts chapter 15, they were getting together. They were having a, a church meeting, so to speak, and they were having this, this conversation about how people should behave, that they needed, if they were going to become, quote, followers of Jesus, they needed to act a certain way. They needed to behave a certain way. They needed to adopt some rituals that they weren't observing. And this whole debate erupts. And then on the big Bible on the screen, notice the words in Acts 15 and 19. The apostles lean into this conversation and they simply say, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, we got this all backwards. We should not be making it difficult for people to turn to God. On the contrary, we should remove every barrier, every obstacle, language, verbiage, whatever it is, we should pave the way so that men and women who have not yet discovered the hope that we've discovered in Jesus Christ, they will become intoxicated with Christ just like us. That was thousands of years ago. I think we can make the argument today there's a whole lot of people, our family and our friends, even the church structure, the big C church, at times we've put roadblocks, we've put qualifications that a person has to act a certain way and, and say certain things, kind of get their life cleaned up, and then they can begin following Jesus. It's just gone on too long of the world knowing us for what we are against rather than what and who we are so I'm going to give us a big idea we're going to lean into it and then I'm going to ask Corbin and the team to come back I love that last song that we sang without you even knowing it they recited they led us all the way back through scripture declaring all the men and women and all the ways that God showed up in days gone by and how he'll show up in our lives as well but before we get there You've got your Bible, John chapter 1. Let's look at Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was 
with God in the beginning, through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Bible speaking of Jesus. Uh, the Bible is God's letter for you. I know the way it's been used over time, you might not think that way, but it is. The Bible is God's letter for you. In the beginning, in the very beginning, ever since the beginning, the Word, God's Word, Jesus has existed. Let your eyes drop down to verse 14. This Word, I know we look at it as pages or you're looking at it as a, as a digital screen. These words, this digital screen became flesh. We celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born of this virgin. He became flesh. He, he was in diapers. He crawled. He began to walk. He was tempted in every way as any teenage boy would ever be tempted. The difference was he never sinned. He stayed satisfied in God the Father. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He's not some God up in heaven kind of pointing down saying, you humans, you need to do this and you need to do that. No, he came and he put on the very robe of our humanity. And he went through everything that we've gone through. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The Bible that you're holding, either in print or in a digital form, it is God's letter for you. God is for you. God is for me. God is for us. The Bible. The Bible. For too long, it's been promoted for what it's against. I, I want to give you a couple things that the Bible certainly is not. Number one, the, the Bible is not a book of facts and figures, Bible trivia pursuit. That somehow this, this thing is this trivial pursuit. It's kind of like a law book, and I need to study it. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 and 7, always learning, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Somehow people feel smarter. They feel better about themselves. Almost like taking the Bible as an SAT or an SAT score. I, I'm, I'm not against what I'm about to tell you. I'm just going gonna, gonna to look at the empirical data of where we are as a culture. I'm going to look at the empirical data of where 20s and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, your grown children... We used to have a program way back in the day when I pastored in Pennsylvania. It was called Awana. And it was all about boys and girls studying scriptures. And they could get badges and all this kind of stuff. But what happened is, is we treated it like trivia pursuit. We treated Bible memorization. We treated Sunday school. We treated Awana, all those programs, like a trivia pursuit. As if it was an, a, a subject to study rather than a life to live. Amen. The Bible is not is not facts and figures for you to study. Let me give you a second thing. The Bible is not a weapon to deploy. Now, too many of us have felt the jab of the sword of somebody at a Thanksgiving table. Uh, somebody who, who, who took the Bible and they, they told us, if you don't change your behavior, you're going to go to hell. Somehow we were acting in, in a way that God was displeased and they took the Bible and they pulled out a verse and they put an entire theology about it and they jabbed us. The Bible is not a weapon to deploy. You begin to understand why there are some people who say the church is not for me. 
because there's a lot of church going folk who've used the Bible as a weapon to slice and dice people who don't agree with them, look like them, act like them, vote like them. Let me give you something else. And I'm all for apologetics. I know some of you all really love apologetics. The truth is some of you really aren't as much about apologetics. You just like to argue. The Bible is not a book to defend. Hello, hashtag God don't need you to defend his word. You ain't that good. <laughs> but we hide behind this apologetics. No, no, no. You just want to argue. You, you just want to fuss and feud with people. Now listen, the data couldn't be more clear. When you look at writings throughout history, no one argues about Homer, Demetheses, and Herodotus, and Plato, and Tactus, Caesar. You can see on this screen, we, there are recorded portions of these ancient writings that we don't dispute that whether or not they are real. They, oh, they're, they're, they're real. But when you compare it to the New Testament, I mean, unquestionable, if you use science, if you use a, a literary science factual perspective, no writing in all of history compares to the reality of God's word. I, I get it, but hear me. This is not for something for us to argue, to try to convince somebody else, to show them how wrong they are. We've got to pivot. We, we want to be known for who we are for rather than what we are against. Let me give you something else the Bible's not for if you're taking notes. It's, it's, it's not to be used as a disguise for our human agenda. You know what I'm talking about. We, we, we have this, this thing and, and, and we want something or it's our opinion or our flavor or what we, what we think. It becomes a tool for us to manipulate people with. The Bible is God's letter for us. Why wouldn't everybody? Think about it. Why wouldn't everybody? The God of the universe wrote a letter for you and I. Why wouldn't everybody? I mean, everybody want to be a part of God's word. Why wouldn't all of us want to wake up on everyday Tuesday or Thursdays or Saturdays and lean into God's word if we really believe that it was a letter written for us? You know Why? Because we've all been on the other side of somebody trying to manipulate us, control us. And let me just get public. No one does it better than pastors. Standing over people and trying to convince and turn and twist. And you need to act like this. And you need to fit your life into something like this. Rather than stepping in and saying, listen, God wrote a letter for you. God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you. God is for you. Hey, listen, lean in and discover more of who he is. Let me just give you one more thing before I outline for you what God's word is. God's word is not a rules and regulation book. It's sad. Somewhere along the line, we began to look at it as it's this rules and regulation book that says you can't do that and you have to do this and if you go down that road you'll be you'll be in the wrong road and now you got to pivot and it's this long list of rules we, we have forgotten that Jesus stepped onto the scene filled with mercy and grace and all of those rules and regulations he came and he fulfilled all of it and he says listen 
Come and experience me when a man or woman discovers hope in Jesus, when you have found forgiveness and grace and mercy. Who needs a law book? I've got Jesus, I've got his grace, and I can follow after him each and every day. It's not a rule and regulation book. They were having this conversation in Acts chapter 15. And finally they stepped up and they simply said, listen, we should not make it difficult for people to turn to God. Could you imagine Ocala and Marion County if we would begin to remove all the roadblocks, if we as Christ followers would begin to live our lives in such a way that we are for people. That's a part of what we began a few weeks ago in the Ukraine. Received an update that literally just came in this morning, some pictures that we'll show next week. People on the bus that you and I don't know, the bus that you gave money for and we, we bought and we loaded people up on that bus and now they've come across the border and now they're in a safe pace and to see on their face that there's men and women in Ocala, Florida that are for them. Something happens inside a human being when you begin to believe somebody is for you. We saw that in our city this week. Some of you were on campus on Friday as we celebrated our speed skaters. Kind of the joke is, right, that, that in Ocala, Florida, what's known as the horse capital of the world, so sorry, so sad, we're really the ice speed skating capital of the world. <laughs> and, 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 you know, these athletes, any place else they would go, they would just be seen as normal. But in our town, the last several days, we have declared out loud over and over and how much we are Lord, there's something that happens inside of you when you've had a teacher. Do you remember her? Do you remember him? When you had a coach, do you remember him or her? A boss, somebody, a parent, somebody who was for you. Now, we know the opposite too, right? When somebody was against us. When it just felt no matter what, I mean, they were just against us. We can do this, Church of Hope. We can flip the script. We can step out into a community, into a county. We can, we can let this begin to move through our state. We can see a transformation. If we would just begin to decide out loud, and I know what you're thinking. You think, yeah, but Mark, 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 if we're four people who maybe aren't acting godly, then somehow we might be less for God. Hear me clearly. When you are for people, you are never more for God. Let me say it again. When you are for people, you are never more for God. God is so for people that he sent his one and only son See, some of us have heard that so much, it's kind of like a piece of art. It's some, like a picture in your home. You've walked past it over and over and over and over. You don't even see it anymore. God is for people, particularly people who have yet to discover his son, Jesus. He is patiently at work wanting every man and every woman to discover the hope and the healing. See, the Bible is God's letter 
for you. So here, let me land this. Give you a couple things to write down that the Bible is for. God's word is for. We are for people. And the way to get for people is to understand the Bible is for people. Get the Bible, God's word, into you. Here's number one. Write it down. The Bible, it is the story of God. It changes everything when you look at his word as his story. John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Rather, that the world would be saved through him. Some of us think that some of us think that you deserved salvation. And the scariest place to be as a human being is to think somehow you did something to deserve salvation. It's reflected in how you treat people, and it's going to be reflected one day in your conversation with God in heaven. The Bible is God's story. It reveals that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The best way I know how to get for people is to get God's word in me. When I begin to see how much God is for people, then the people in my life, and you do have people in your life that will frustrate you, that will agitate you, that will irritate you, that will betray you. It will be unfair. It will be unjust. But when you begin to see in the midst of all that, that God is for them, it does something to my heart that allows me to pivot back and to continue to hope and to pray that they experience Jesus. Here's the second thing. It guides us. God's word. God's word is a letter because he's for you. It guides you to be successful in life. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants you to win. I don't care what sermons, I don't care what you've heard someone else say. God's not against you. God is for you. He wrote a book to set you up to win. God's word is a letter for us. 2 Peter chapter 1. The Bible says this, above all, you must realize that no prophecy, the word of God, in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. See, this is a pivot in your mind. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you leave today and you believe this book was really written by God, it will change how you interact with this book. I guarantee you the digital device that you're reading the scriptures on, if somewhere in your belly you really believe that the God of creation, Jesus, wrote this book, it will, it will revolutionize the way that you think and feel the rest of your life. Let me tell you something about this book, God's, God's letter for us. It comforts us. In all of our human dilemmas, in all of our human pain points, Psalms 119, your word has given me new life. This is my comfort in my suffering. 
God's word. And many of us know that, don't we? When we've been at our, our lowest point, there's something about God's word. That's where we want to move the platform of our relationship off of just being on Sunday and use the tools that we have in this new texting platform so that as we go through our everyday life, moving our experience as a spiritual community off of just Sunday to every day that we can connect, we can grow, and we can become who God created us to be. And you texting that number and getting on that platform, it is a step. It will help us. You will never know when God's word will show up in a way. Point in case, I won't tell you all the details except for this. Last night, I was downtown Ocala at about 6, six o'clock. You can count on one hand how many times I have not been at my private residence on a Saturday night at 6 o'clock. I don't go out on Saturday nights. Why? Because the most important thing I will do all week long is stand and teach God's Word. This is the proverbial game day for me. I remember when I first moved here, uh, um, a person, I didn't even know what a bull gator was, but a bull gator had special tickets to the football games, right? And it was a, it was a Saturday night game, and they invited me to come and sit in the box and all that jazz, and, and uh, it was the FSU game. And I remember looking back at them and saying, you know, Saturday night, my mind, I'm thinking about, and they kind of looked at me like, you kidding me kind of a deal right i'm just i'm just telling you i'm not out i'm 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 walking back to my automobile after being a part of the the gathering for the welcome home olympians and i'm i, I even left that event early and i'm walking back to my car and on the sidewalk i come across a couple i had no idea what was going on in their life something was shared and right on that sidewalk Right at City Hall, we stopped and we prayed. And I said to that person, I said, this, you might think this is coincidence, but to me, this is a divine moment that God, that's how God shows up. When your eyes are open and your heart's open, when you begin to understand that God's word is a letter that is for you, God's not against us. God is for us. Imagine how our families, it might not happen overnight, but imagine how our, our families would change. Anybody ever go to Chick-fil-A? Can I see your hand? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. I don't totally understand it all. To me, it's a chicken, it's a pickle, and it's a bun. But it's Chick-fil-A. When, when, when you go to Chick-fil-A and you order your thing, and if you happen by chance to say thank you, do you know what their response is to you? Do you remember? My pleasure. My pleasure. You might not know the history behind that. Truett Cathy, the founder, he wanted something different, and he said to the employees, instead of saying you're welcome, right? Someone says thank you, you would normally say you're welcome. He wanted something different, and it was my pleasure. So they had their staff meeting, and they sent the memo out to their vice presidents and all their managers, and then he would go to the different stores and, and kind of test it, right? Pressure test it. And they would say, thank you. And then he would listen to his employees say, you're welcome. He's the owner of the company. He's the CEO. The story's told 
that he didn't call all the vice presidents back in. He didn't call all the managers together. He didn't give them a lecture. He went on a personal crusade where he just started saying, my pleasure, my pleasure. It took five years for that to become a part of their culture. It's not going to change overnight. But if we left this place today, if you and you and you and online, you and me, if we left and we started just stepping out and saying that we are for people over and over by our actions, by the way we drive, by the way we interact with hostesses, and ho just the way that we show up at our jobs and we're thankful and we don't take in time the change that we so much desire and want. We should not make it difficult for people to discover that there's hope in Christ. So let me land with this. I want us to be for the Bible, and I want you just to begin to think on how this week you can make a small change. I'm not asking you to go home this afternoon and read the Bible from cover to cover. Hey, if you want to do that, that's great. It won't hurt you. But I want you to win. Figure out what is it. I really don't care how much of the Bible that you get through. I'm not overly interested in which version of the Bible that you use. I just want the Bible to get in you. Because I know this. Nothing, nothing will be more of a game changer in your life than God's word in your life. Circumstances, situations, all the things in the world might not change. The difference is the living hope of Jesus Christ is now living in you. I want you to read it, but better yet, I want us to live it. I like what the old evangelist said. He said the Bible, the only Bible some people might ever read is your life. Let's flip the script. Let's step out into a community and live for people, regardless of how they act, regardless of how they live, let's just let God's word, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are the letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. I mean, can you imagine if we lived this way? Could you imagine one day arriving in heaven and God saying, let me tell you, Mark David, your life, the way in which you lived, People could see my son, Jesus. I can't think of any greater purpose that I would want my life to be. When I die and you guys come and you talk about me and you have potato salad and ham and chicken and green beans, whatever else that you do after I'm gone, all I would ever want, the hope, the height, isn't my bank account. The height isn't awards that might be on a wall. The height would be this verse that people just looking at you Christ himself wrote on our lives, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled in stone, but carved into human lives. James chapter 1, the Bible says, do not merely listen to the word. This will change everything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I, I am for us. I am, I am for the church. I am for people who get up on Sundays and go to Presbyterian and, and Catholic and, and Methodist and Pentecostals. I'm, I'm for 
the decades of people going to church. I'm for you and your perfect Sunday school attendance pin at the Southern Baptist churches. I'm, 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 for, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm for everybody. But hear me. What we need in the world is the people who listen to the word to go do the word. For too long, we thought following Jesus is someplace we sit our blessed assurance on Sunday. We need to step out into the marketplace, on the ball fields, in the boardrooms, in the classroom, in your home and in our neighborhoods, and be the word of God. Luke chapter 11, the Bible says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God. You see it on the screen? I want blessed. I want you blessed. I want my wife blessed. I want my children blessed. I want my company blessed. I want this church blessed. I want the city of Ocala blessed. I want Marion County to be blessed. I want the CEP to be blessed. I want your life. I want your marriage. But here's what I know is God's word says there's a connection to how you and I, yes, we hear it, we listen to it, but then we choose to obey it. So I'm going to go back to that question I asked you. Right now in this space, I want you to think, how will you, how will you be for the Bible this week? Some of y'all give me that, uh, that phone number back on the screen. Some of you heard Emily say that. And you're like, ah, I might have too many things going on. I, I get it, man. I get, I get emails and I get texts and some of it's spam and all that. I can tell you this isn't. Not that, not that number, guys, the other, the other number, just the regular number, not text 20. Um, I want to equip you during the week. I, I want to move, listen to me, I want to move, hear my heart on this, I want to move being a pastor from being a sage on the stage to becoming a guide that comes alongside. If we keep doing, listen, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing you've been doing and expect changes. We can't keep doing church, if I can say it that way, the way we've been doing it. Something has to change. I want my city to change. I, I want the violence to change. I, I want the sense of marriages to change. I want students who aren't quite sure what's going on in the world to change. I want the world to change, so we've got to do something different. And so we've got to connect beyond just Sunday. I want to equip you. So go ahead, just text that word. We'll get you on the, on the platform, and we'll get you, get you equipped along the way. <clears throat> Do you remember that old little jingle? It went something like this. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. Oh, the B-I-B-L-E. Do you remember that? If you remember, it just kind of recited with me. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. So the question is, how will you move it from a rhyme in your mind to an action in your life?